Hi, and welcome back to the podcast where we see what the Bible has to say. Let's jump right into the book of Matthew today. To understand what was happening in the New Testament, we have to know what Israel was told in the Old Testament. God had promised Israel a Messiah, which means an anointed one, that's a king, who would come and restore national Israel and defend her against her enemies. You can find this throughout the prophets, the Psalms, and elsewhere. If your Bible has cross-references, you'll see many references in the New Testament to these promises made back in the Old Testament, so be sure to take a look at those. For centuries, Israel was looking for this national savior. The book of Daniel had even given them a time for when to expect their Messiah. Daniel 9.25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. In Hebrew, weeks would be sevens, so this would be seven sevens plus sixty-two sevens, or sixty-nine sevens total, or 483 years from the time the order was given to build and restore Jerusalem. You can read about that in Nehemiah 1 and 2. So Israel's Messiah shows up right on time, and we start to read about him in the book of Matthew. Matthew opens with a genealogy of Jesus, but not just any genealogy. It's a genealogy of Israel's kings. This is noteworthy because it's establishing Jesus as the rightful heir to David's throne in Jerusalem. In Matthew 1.21, the angel tells Joseph in a dream that Mary will bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. My Bible has a footnote here that Jesus means Savior in Hebrew. Luke 1, 32 and 33 adds a little more, saying, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. I'm going to throw out a couple of questions here real quick to get us thinking about that verse, the promises that God made to Israel in times past, and this promised kingdom. First, was David's throne a real throne on earth? Or is that just an allegory symbolizing something else in ancient times? Is a king's reign real? Or is it allegory for something else? Was the house of Jacob a literal group of people? Or was that just a symbol for something else? So would we then expect this Messiah's kingdom to be a literal, earthly kingdom? Or some abstract, spiritual concept? Think about those, and we'll come back to that in a bit. Back to Matthew. Finally, Israel's promised Messiah King had arrived to save Israel, to establish his kingdom, and rule over Israel from David's throne. This is completely consistent with the Hebrew Scriptures. No surprises here, except now the identity of the Messiah is known. It's Jesus of Nazareth. But would this generation of Jews want Jesus for their king? I think you all know the answer to that one, sadly, but we'll get to this in future episodes. Let's ask some other questions now. Jesus shall save his people from their sins. At this point, who are his people? Who are the people God had set aside from other people groups to be his chosen ones, his holy ones? To whom had a Messiah been promised? To whom would this king belong? 
The answer, Jacob's descendants, Israel. Do we have any mention so far of the body of Christ? Nope, not yet. As we move forward in the book of Matthew, we find John the Baptist telling the Jews to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus starts preaching about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I believe these terms are referring to the same thing, and here's why. Matthew 11.11 says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The same event told in Luke 7.28 says, for I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Allowing the Bible to interpret itself, we see that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable. They simply refer to Messiah's literal kingdom on earth, promised to the people of Israel. This kingdom would not be a man's kingdom from earth, from man, but would be a kingdom from heaven, from God, given to his son, Jesus the Messiah, or using the Greek term, Jesus the Christ. As Luke one thirty two reminds us from the Hebrew scriptures, God would give Jesus the literal earthly throne of Jesus' ancestor, David. David's throne was not spiritual, it was real. Bringing the definition of the promised king and kingdom from the Old Testament into the New, the Messiah King's reign and his kingdom would be real, a literal king with a literal kingdom on earth ruling over Jacob's descendants forever. The conclusion, Messiah's throne as presented in scriptural scripture is real, not allegory, not a spiritual construct. Because the Bible doesn't give any indication that the defini definition of this kingdom or throne changed when Jesus arrived, I personally would reject the Roman Catholic doctrine that Messiah's kingdom is anything other than a literal reign on earth from Jerusalem. Fun history fact here, it was a Pope who declared in an unprecedented power move that the Roman Catholic Church was Messiah's kingdom on earth. They took the literal read of the Bible and allegorized it to fit their objectives. Since in their theology, the Pope has the keys to the kingdom, the church said who got to go to heaven and who didn't. Because the people wanted to go to heaven, the populace would rise up and pressure the emperor to do whatever the Pope wanted done in affairs of the state. It was a brilliant strategy, but devastating to Christian, Christian theology, setting the majority on the path of error for 2,000 plus years. Unfortunately, the Protestant reformers didn't reform enough and maintained the Catholic allegorical interpretation of the kingdom, denying the literal read of the Bible. Today, Protestants and Southern Baptists, as they have moved increasingly into Protestant or Catholic-like theology over the past 25 years, also hold to this made-up view of the kingdom, the fruit of which has been much confusion and people thinking they just can't understand the Bible without a priest, a pastor, or a commentary telling them what it means. If you think about it, that's exactly what the early Roman Catholic leaders were going for. They wanted the people to have to come to them for interpretation. And this is exactly what's been the result of the allegorical or spiritual method of interpreting the Bible overall. If you go to 20 commentaries, you'll find 20 different interpretations. 
because if we allegorize or spiritualize it, we can really make it say whatever we want. There's no objective endpoint. What if the resurrection of Jesus is simply allegory? Do you see my point? It's a dangerous path. Relying on an allegorical or spiritual interpretation where it's meant to be taken literally brings lots of confusion and opinions. Does this sound like something of God? Is he not a better writer than that? There's an easier and better way. I think you'll be surprised to see what the Bible plainly says and how easy the vast majority of it is to understand when we just take it for what it says to whom it says. I sure was. And that's what I want to share, the simplicity and the clarity of God's word. He gave us this whole book for a reason, because he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4. If there's a problem with understanding the Bible, it's certainly on our end. So let's clean that up and just take it for what it says. Well, that's enough for today. As I hope you do with any man or woman teaching the Bible, it's your responsibility to test my words against the scriptures, not other men's words, but God's words. I'd expect nothing less. Till the next time when we see what the Bible says. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you.